What's up, you fabulous forkers, and welcome to Where Does Food, a food history podcast that tells you all about the history of food. I'm Elle. And I'm Tim. Tim, and today we're continuing our conversation about how war influenced our food. Today we're taking a look at World War II. We are. This is like our, um, it's like our sequel, kind it's, of. Yeah. I mean, it's about a different event, but it's a world war, and that's sort of what we were shooting for for the end of season three. This is also finale. Oh, yeah, that's a pretty big deal. Look at us, and we're recording in person. Yeah, this is also a pretty big deal. Yeah, we don't do this anymore. Fun fact about the podcast, uh, we used to record in person for, I think, season one and part of two, and then Mm -hmm. we were like, hey, let's not do that anymore, because it's hard to do that, so, but hey, it worked out. It did. Worked out. So we're here, we were just, we just ate some smash burgers, we're full and happy, shout out to the local place, Karen's Custard, Um, also- We sat around and talked about food, or at least Tim talked about food too much. No, we definitely talked about food. What I, else? I could talk about food endlessly. Forever, I Absolutely. think, actually. It's not interesting. It is, Tim. But I could talk about food forever. Either way, that's me catching everyone up. <laughs> this is a podcast about food history, not about our days. So, <laughs> <laughs> Food was heavily involved in our days, though, as, yeah. as you would think. Yeah. No, Tim, this is, you had mentioned it kind of in, if you hadn't a chance to listen to the to World War One, to the first, that, the first part of this this two episode part, go listen to that. Yeah, stop what you're doing right fucking now, um, and go listen to that one. This is where, for all intent and purposes, like our food industry has shifted, and frankly, we've continued on the food practices from post World War Two, uh, whether that's the diet standpoint or also the industrialization, the cruelty standpoint. You can just say it at this point. Uh, we know where we live. We'll get there. <laughs> We will we will get there. We will get there. So we learned from our last episode that in World War One, preservation was key and our diets consisted of corn, fish, beans, fat free, everything if possible, meatless Mondays, wheatless Wednesdays, fat free Fridays. These were just some of the dietary guidelines that the U- US Yo. government provided. Yes, Tim. And when in doubt. When in doubt. Eat potatoes. <laughs> potatoes are our king, queen. They're that they're, they are the end all be all. Don't let anyone tell you different. They're also a vegetable. Yeah, when in doubt, eat potatoes. Always eat potatoes. They're yeah. so versatile. <laughs> they are. <laughs> they really are, though. They are, yeah. So with the lowering costs of food, Americans had adapted some of the dietary changes that came from World War One. Industries went going back to producing what they're good for. That is until we get to World War Two. So history time with L. Boop, yeah. Boop, 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 boop. Okay. Last time we learned about World War we're in the World War Two. I feel like most were probably more familiar with World War Two because we either like have or know people that had like grandparents, great grandparents, like fam- that actually fought in this war. Video games. <laughs> Fuck Tim. Video games. Also Call of Duty. They're, yes. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Brother in Arms, Call of Duty. There the have brothers, been the show, yeah. yeah. The first Book. Battlefield games, like oh, literally, I forgot about the first Battlefield. Literally, the early I'm aughts sorry. to to like the 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 yeah. tens. There are so many World War Two video games. It's unreal. So video games, you're right, is the and reason why games. people is the reason why we know so much about Damn. World War Two. That's also probably more true than anything. <laughs> so high key, quoting this from the History Channel. Most of this information, I just so I just want to put yeah. that out there. Shout out to the History I'm Channel. I'm not. Yeah, I shout out to Pawn Stars. <laughs> <laughs> incredible meme format okay yeah. uh 
So, instability created in Europe by the First World War, 1914 to 1918, set the stage for another international conflict, World War II. That broke out two decades later. Hitler's invasion of Poland in September 1939 drove Great Britain and France to declare war on our friends, the Germans, which marked the beginning of World War II. This is where we get involved. On December 7th, 1941, for 360 Japanese aircraft attacked the major U.S. naval base, Pearl Harbor, taking Americans completely by surprise, claiming the lives of more than 2,300 troops. The attack on Pearl Harbor served to unify American public opinion in favor of entering World War II, and on December 8th, Congress declared war on Japan, which ultimately ended up with Germany and the other Axis powers declaring war on the United States. Heavy casualties sustained at Iwo Jima and Okinawa, and fears of the even costlier land invasion of Japan led Truman to authorize the use of a new and devastating weapon. Developed during a top-secret operation code named the Manhattan Project, the atomic bomb was was unleashed on the Japanese cities of Hiroshima and Nagasaki in early August. As Soviet troops began to advance on the Eastern Front, the Western Allies invaded Sicily and Southern Italy, causing the fall of Italian dictator Benito Benito, Mussolini and the government in July 1943. The Allies then opened the Western Front with the amphibious D-Day invasion of Normandy on June 6, 1944. After gaining a foothold in northern France, Allied troops liberated Paris, followed by Brussels, and then forced to fight a war on two fronts with dwindling resources and increasingly desperate Hitler authorized a last-ditch offensive at the Western Front. Uh, The Nazis launched a surprise attack along 80-mile, densely wooded stretch of the Ardennes Forest in Belgium and Luxembourg on December 16, 1944. This is later known as the Battle of the Bulge. American forces withstood the full might of what was left of Germany's power, but lost approximately 20,000 men in what was considered the single deadliest battle in World War II. Both fronts collapsed. This ended up in the inevitable defeat of Hitler, who then committed suicide in his bunker on April 30th, and then his... So they say. So they say. His then grant, his successor Grand Admiral Karl Donitz started peace negotiations on May 7th, and then um, the General Jody signed an unconditional surrender of all German forces to take effect on the following day on September 2nd, World War II officially ended when U.S. General Douglas MacArthur accepted Japan's formal surrender aboard the U.S. battleship Missouri. That was that's the whole history there. Um, and then pretty much from there, it lays the groundwork for setting up the United States and Russia to be two of the world's major superpowers and what will end up being the Cold War. <sighs> yeah. The biggest takeaway I think that we from World War II, around 45 to 60 million people were murdered and 6 million Jews were murdered in the Nazi concentration camps as part of Hitler's final solution. Yeah, it's pretty fucked. It's pretty fucked. Like that, Pretty fucked. World War II is bad. It's really bad. Uh, real, real shit stain of a war. Also, during that time, the United States had internment camps. Oh, yeah. For our Jap- for, yeah. So that's also something that occurred. For Japanese people, but pretty much <laughs> any, yeah. any Asian American really (laughs) like Mm -hmm. you know you know how prejudices do (laughs) you know how they be um bad not Not good not great good so that was history time that was history time world war ii it's fucking insane it was wild um so here in the u.s the name of the game was the same as as world war ii the government was asking citizens to ration can and preserve their food as well as utilize their local victory gardens and effort to support the war effort from home government rationing of sugar which was a big one, coffee, canned goods, 
meat, fish, butter, and cheese began in 1942. On January 30th of that year, President Franklin D. Roosevelt, you heard of him, uh, signed into law the Emergency Price Control Act, which enabled the Office of Price Administration to lay the groundwork for food rationing, which was going to be started in, in that following spring. Yeah. So why coffee? The troops need it. No, they don't. <laughs> Tim, that, that's it. That's if they don't. I'm sorry. They I need the caffeine. We need the caffeine. <laughs> We're sustaining efforts here at home. Yeah, fuck you. What? <laughs> fuck you think else is gonna happen. Fuck dude. Okay. We also need the caffeine. That's tr- I mean, there's a lot of things that are happening here. Yeah. Fucking yeah. what? No, I agree. Fuck out of here. It's my coffee. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm an American. <laughs> No. This already happened. I'm like, I'm getting heated about a thing that isn't currently happening to no, me. No, but... Just a thing that already happened. Um, so, different though. Different from World War One was in World War Two. ration foods were categorized as either needing red or blue point. Individuals wishing to purchase foods under the red point scheme, which included meat, fish, and dairy, were issued with 64 points to use per month following blue points, and those... Uh, were canned and bottled foods, and people were given 48 points per person a month. The OPA, those guys from beforehand, they determined the number of points needed for goods based on availability and demand. Now, what did they base those things off of? Uh, no one could actually tell me that. Surprise, a government-based entity couldn't tell me what they actually based their good, the availability and demand was. But anyways, that's besides the point. Yeah, uh, the, the metric system that, is, that they used, yeah. didn't, it actually didn't exist. It didn't really exist. Um, they based it off of nothing. Exactly, which makes this next point even better. The point values could be raised or lowered accordingly. So even better, sugar, again, was one of the first and longest items that was rationed. The ration started for sugar in 1942 and it ended in 1947, which is wild because, again, like Americans were ingesting like close to like 80 million pounds of sugar. We love that. Um, again, we talked about coffee, cheese, and then dried and processed foods as well. In 1943, Eleanor Roosevelt, you heard of her? Congress passed the Emergency Farm Labor Program, which created the Women's Land Army of America, or WLAA. And then um, you also had the Women's Land Army, which was just the WLA. And it's estimated that 2.5 million women worked in the WLA during World War II. Damn. And that fucking wild. Damn, that's a lot. That's a big movement. That seems better than the point system movement. Mm-hmm. <laughs> which seems is, like a way better which movement. Is, which is convoluted and weird. <laughs> Makes no sense. And, like, on top of that, like, with those victory gardens, uh, historians are estimated that about 20 million gardens had, like, popped up from, like, 1943. Yeah. And, like, that's... Why can't we do that now? It's crazy. That's crazy to me. Anywho, created... There's so many acts. Created in 1914 by the Smith Liver Act... The Extension Services was set up as a nationwide organization of the USCA in conjunction with state land-granted universities to support and educate rural communities about agricultural and domestic efficiencies. That was such a mouthful right there. But, like, holy shit, again, the government was setting up programs in theory. Yeah. But it was just the same type of infrastructure that they would already had from World War One. so it's like... Yeah. It didn't really do anything that was too... Crazy. Yeah. Pretty much just kind of utilize the same stuff. Exactly. Um, That's all right. The USDA, they estimated that about approximately 4 billion cans of jars of food, both sweet and savory, were produced that year. Damn. That's, again... A lot of food. A lot of food. And then um, there were community caning centers also that started up again. That was a huge, huge thing. Um, Teaching people how to preserve their foods. Yeah. Um, What was the rate of botulism back in the day? (laughs) 
That's a good question, Tim. I did not find that yeah. right anywhere, but I would yeah. go back and double check. I bet, I bet it was higher than normal. I bet there was a higher clip rate than normal. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. That's yeah. a good yeah. Um, by 1945, there was about 6,000 caning ses- uh, centers that were yeah. running across the United States. That's nuts, man. Nuts. That's crazy. And it's like, again, you think about you think about infrastructure challenges that we have now with the types of advanced technology. I cannot imagine. Yeah. Fun fact, I learned that because, you know, so many industries were getting ripped, and we'll talk about that in a second. But because we were rationing metals as, as a country, we were no longer producing pressure cookers, which is really yeah. what you would think we would right. be best for, like, that time. You're like, everyone's out working, or you're, like out at war so like yeah no, we weren't we were making it any easier so pressure cooking is another form of preservation that's used in the pickling and canning process but whatever <laughs> <laughs> there's another way to do it so it's fine it's fine yeah. it's fine um i did actually i was curious so apparently the troops were having um their breakfast unit consisted of biscuits canned meat and eggs and a fruit bar instant coffee nice sugar cubes and chewing gum and then like the most nutritional part of that meal, cigarettes, <laughs> we're yeah. all in there. I was going to say the most Im- the nutrition <laughs> part was the instant coffee. Instant, instant, instant coffee. Instant coffee. Yeah. That shit is so bad. I use it for <laughs> baking, though, so I can't complain too much. That's a good use for it, though. Yeah, it's, yeah, got it's got a that, great use for it. It's got that nice, strong coffee mm-hmm. taste, but unfortunately, it tastes like licking the bottom of an it's ashtray. Like a, it's like yeah. dirt. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then their dinner unit consisted of also canned meat and cheese products but, and, of course, cigarettes. But you did say that, yeah, they're smoking cigarettes, so <laughs> I bet that coffee tasted fine because cigarettes ruin your taste buds. So, yeah. I bet it tasted fine to coffee, them. Coffee, cigarettes. That's all you need. Yeah. That's all they needed. Yeah, it tasted fine. It's all the same. <laughs> All the same. Once you smoke cigarettes, your taste buds go down the window. My mom's already there. My mom's already there. She's been a smoker all of her life. And I like when people say that all their life. Yeah, she came out the womb smoking. <laughs> Fucking idiot. <laughs> she, she, she's she been a smoker since she was an adult. Um, and, oh, fuck. I'm sorry saying that. Um, Thank you. Yeah, she's been a uh, smoker since she was, uh, I don't know if she was of age. Maybe she was 16. I don't know my mom's life. Uh <laughs> No, but since she was an adult, more adult than a, a child, now she can't taste anything. I'm not. I'm not convinced. When I was in college, she came to visit me because I was graduating. She, we went to a Chinese buffet mm-hmm. before the world kind of sh- sh- put a <laughs> shut light. down. Yeah, on buffet, yeah, yeah. Before, before now, when I think about buffets, I get a little queasy. <laughs> <laughs> so we went to a Chinese buffet when that was still cool, and <laughs> and. She, my mom, the mad lass she is. This is it's like two in the afternoon, by the way. It's like f- pure lunch. You know what I mean? Okay, it's like yeah. this is like the most lunch lunch we'll ever get, which is like uh, two o'clock at Wednesday. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like you can't get more lunch than that, I don't think. Um, and uh, they try, they've tried, but you can't. Um, and she, orders a coffee at at the my my head just did the dog at the, the dog uh, thing the at, yeah at the at the chinese buffet, the chinese buffet. she <laughs> ordered a coffee literally just to feel anything i think first of all first of all let's talk about the levels there's ordering yes, coffee please. at a chinese buffet that's that's one level that's one level that's, that's what- one level <laughs> but then it's ordering it at lunchtime. We're not getting a nightcap. Lunchtime. Not breakfast. Arguably, <laughs> like, yeah, you mentioned nightcap. Arguably, lunchtime Chinese buffet coffee is probably <laughs> the lowest grade Why? coffee you can order, I think. Uh huh. And I got to, uh, yeah, you know, 
I mean, just doesn't feel anything. I don't think. Just think the taste buds don't work. So, you know, I that's I don't want that. You know what I mean? Yeah, it doesn't taste anything. Can't. <laughs> Where were we? We were talking about soldier rations. Yeah. Chinese buffet at like 2 p.m. on a Wednesday. I respect yeah. it. That's like a different level of chaotic. Yeah, that yeah. is. Yeah, I respect that. Yeah, it's like a neutral chaotic. Mm-hmm. Nah, you know what? She's a good person, so it's yeah, okay. it's a neutral. Yeah, she's a good person, so it's more like a good chaotic. But she's still chaotic. You know what I mean? It's it's not oh, like yeah, a, it's not like a lawful good. It's like a chaotic good. <laughs> <laughs> Again, still good. Inherently good. Yeah, it's inherently good. It's just, just that some... yeah, there's a lot of shit going on. So. <laughs> But yeah, we were talking about World War II. So obviously, again, we're implementing a lot of the same practices that we had in World War One. Yeah. But let's talk about the food, Tim. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about the food. Let's get our George Washington Carvers on and talk about some peanuts. Let's talk about them peanuts. George Washington Carver. Dude. People, friend of the podcast. Friend, Huge, huge friend of the pod. Um, the podcast. We talked about them once. People fucking love peanuts. Peanuts were great because it had multiple uses. Peanut butter was gaining pop i don't know why i said it like yeah. so ye like that my bad y'all weird inflection man Peanut something butter? about these world war episodes have you like am going, i you're like going back into like this fucking am like, i like going to fucking yeah you like get you tap into this like southern energy a little bit of paladin huh <laughs> oh, no. No, yeah. no, no. yeah we're not racist don't no. worry uh so people love peanut butter because it was gaining uh, popularity, like people were smashing some PB and J's, like no problem. Dude, peanut butter smacks. Yeah, there. so that was fa- fantastic. Also, Tim, a reason why peanuts were so important to the war efforts was because I didn't know this, but did you know that the U.S. Army was refining peanut oil for glycerin? Which turns uh, out, yeah, use glycerin to make explosives. Yeah, yep, 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 yep. So. I'm not going to tell you that process. You can fucking Google it. But like, yeah, apparently. So people were ingesting peanuts, right? Like it was a great snack for soldiers. So it'd be putting like their little like meal kits. You could eat it at home. People were smashing PB&Js, right? Just eating peanuts in general. Yeah. I mean, it's a nut, right? So it's super dense in nutrients. Like, I mean, it's fatty. It's got the protein. It's got, again, your vitamins. So, you know, something that we wouldn't know about at the time. Absolutely. But that's the reason. <laughs> that's the reason why like at the time it's like oh this is like a really good filling so that, yeah i mean fucking a do you eat pb and j's i love pb and j's yeah every time you eat PB&J's, a pb every yeah. time you eat a pb and j you're like yeah that was a that was seven solid. course meal mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you're full <laughs> yeah, no you're full man like you feel it that's i will good. say i'm a pb and jam type of gal though yeah i lean heavy towards the strawberry jam but that's get the fuck right out of here that's, right there. <laughs> well, that's a different episode maybe maybe the next season yeah, so maybe secretary of agriculture claude r wickard Asked farmers to plant 5 million acres of peanuts, and in 1942, the government would lend them the money to purchase the equipment to harvest the crop. Yeah, and listen, when when Claude R. Wickard tells you to do something, you, you do, do it. it. You fucking do you it. You do it. When a man like Claude walks in, Absolutely. he's wickarding around, uh, you just listen to the wickard. The wickard. That's his, yeah, that's, that's what he was known as in the office. The wickard. The wickard's The wickard is the wickard word. Wickard. He thought corn was so important to the war effort. He said, and I quote, In winning the war and perhaps in the peace to follow, no doubt it will feed the famishing world. That's what he thought about peanuts. So, so like. That's what he thought about peanuts? That's what he thought about peanuts. Oh, okay. I thought you said corn. Oh, yeah. Sorry. No, he. They. Let me rephrase. They held peanuts to the stature that they held corn in World War Two right. to World War One. Right. And yeah, they were like peanuts. You can do, like I said, you can do everything with them. Well, when you were right about corn, why not just go all in on another one? Because corn's not gone. 
Corn's not gone. No, corn is still. Yeah, we're still like we're still uh, we're still cranking still it out. Corn. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So like they're not wrong in mm-hmm. corn. They just found another food <laughs> item that does similar things, and they're like, oh, it's happening again. <laughs> It's the a, government was giving people money to buy equipment because they're like, we need this much corn. Peanuts. Peanuts. Why do I keep saying corn? I don't know, man. Get it out of your fucking corn. brain. Okay. No one eats corn, okay? No one eats corn here. <laughs> no one in America has ever liked corn. That's why like 90% of our food's made from it. Shush. So yeah, anyways, peanuts. No, so again, and then PB&J became a huge staple, but we all know that milk goes really well with PB&J. But let's talk about... Wait, does it? I don't know. Let's talk about dried milk, <laughs> not spilled milk. Okay. Yeah, no, wait, do you not? People, that's kind of like a... No, you will not catch me you drinking... You will not have You a, will not catch me drinking milk? milk with PB&J. The fuck? Interesting. Okay. Fucking what? No, yeah. I forget that people just drink milk, though. Yes, so no, I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> milk is not only utilized for cereal... I don't even get milk, and, man. I get I get oat milk now. Okay, well, like I don't even. And hell no. <laughs> so you wouldn't have an oat milk with your PB and J? No, I would have a PB and J, and honestly, I probably would go with like a soda pop. You know? Really? Yeah. Okay. Mostly just water because PB and Js are like a snack thing for me. I'm not like sitting down. What the fuck? Dude, Who? We're like, adding PB J to the like. I no. I cannot believe that when making a PB and J, some people pull out an extra glass and and a, a thing mm-hmm. of milk to help wash they come in the gallons i think <laughs> <laughs> a gallon of milk and they're pouring a gallon of not a full gallon but they're pouring their 16 ounce cup of milk which is just like why no not a and, full fucking 16 ounces tim okay okay i'm sorry no it's a lot of milk okay do you guys just fill the 16 ounce cup halfway up i'm also un- i'm not do normal americans fill their glasses halfway up maybe i fill my i will fill it halfway sometimes. that's an insane it's I, I don't care it's milk doesn't belong so dried milk during <laughs> so, world war yeah, ii so, so dried milk we're getting into that oh, now lord who if thought. you're poor you know what dry milk tastes like dude it does it gets the job done so dried milk during world war ii the military needed a dairy product that wouldn't spoil Ah, yeah. So powdered milk became a vital part of the war effort since it could be reconstituted into milk or made into ice cream. Okay, it could be reconstituted into what is like milk. It's a simile of milk, but yeah, it can be reconstituted. Sure. Absolutely. And then after the war, the government still bought massive quantities of dried milk. And they still do to this day. uh, I guess, yeah. Yeah, for like, usually for just like humanitarian issues. Like, yeah. Yeah, humanitarian stuff. Um, Again, it doesn't spoil, so like, or yeah. it spoil easily. So it's yeah. like, why not? Absolutely. You know, why not? Um, speaking of it? reconstituted purposes, let's get an ice cream, shall we? Yeah, let's do it. We had a whole episode about this. Yeah, this is, I think you kind of briefly uh, made note of this, but World War II caused the greatest demand for fresh milk in the U.S. history. Speaking of milk, in 1943, the Milk Industry Foundation, which like, I don't know. Yeah, set a goal for dairy farms to produce 57 billion quarts of milk. I like that they used quarts and not just And they like, didn't just convert the whole. They didn't just put it into gallons. So that's uh, 14 billion, 250 million gallons. That's an, okay, again, let's pause and talk about that for a second. Yeah. That's an absurd amount. And then I would think in the, okay. like in <laughs> at any time period. So by the end of the war, ice cream was used as a morale booster for the troops. In fact, 
The U.S. Navy spent $1 million converting a barge into a floating ice cream factory, which would make and deliver ice cream to ships that couldn't make their own. After the war ended, the regulations were lifted, and ice cream production skyrocketed from less than 300 million gallons in 1938 to over 700 million in 1946. So I did mention that part. Yep. Uh, I mentioned the, uh, the barge being mm-hmm. uh, tur- turned into uh, a vessel for ice cream. Absurd. Which is an insane thing to do at just all. Just off rip, yeah. Just in general. Any time. Just, just in general for any time. And yeah, I did also mention the arc of that episode ended up kind of going towards like the explosion mm-hmm. after World War II. Mm-hmm. It's, it's unreal. It's unreal. The processes were in place. Ice cream was a big deal. Once refrigeration and, which again, we'll talk about it later, but refrigeration and transportation. Yeah. It, I mean. That was the big thing. Those are the two right? things that like, changed the game. Yeah. Um, we also talked about like the, the ice companies mm-hmm. uh, uh, back in early 1900s, mm-hmm. late 1800s, and how they were really big. And then refrigeration came about and that started to dwindle their whole thing. Innovation came. So Absurd. So another food that boomed during this time is a, where does food favorite? Pizza. 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 So in addition to American cuisine that soldiers brought back with them um, was mozzarella cheese. Hell yeah. They brought back mozzarella cheese when they were chilling in Italy. I say chilling. Yeah. When they were fighting a war in Italy. Um, yeah. As post-war time brought prosperity, that brought the ability to eat out, plus the desire for different types of food from abroad. Um, so that yielded pizza shops just popping up across the country. Yeah. And then ground beef took fewer ration stamps to buy than steak or roast. So homemakers, quote unquote, stretched the meat supply by fixing meatloaf, spaghetti, stuffed peppers, and meat rolls. Yeah, cookbooks and women's magazines offer tips on how to fix vegetables, main dishes, or other meats such as beef tongue, hog jowls, and poultry. Yeah, poultry, man. People forget that chicken wasn't the main... Wasn't the main source. Wasn't one of the Mm -hmm. main sources of protein uh, until after the war. Which is wild. Oddly enough, the war kind of helped it, but it's still... After the war, we kind of reverted back. And yeah, ultimately, though, yeah, it kind of blew up. When health trends changed it, but either way. Either way. Yeah. So we kind of, we've, hopefully you guys have, have seen along, but we've kind of spoken about different types of food companies that over time, if they existed during the wars, how they had to switch, right? Um, so remember the Hostess Factory? Um, they made Twinkies. Originally, it was with banana, um, but because there was a banana shortage, they had to make them with vanilla cream. Yeah. That is now like the Hostess recipe that we all know today. Yeah. Um, we also learned from the tip industry, they refused to change their production and still chose to produce chips instead of the goods that would benefit the war. Yeah. Which, you know, shout out to them. Shout out to the chip people. Um, we fucking all, crazy. Fucking <laughs> absurd. Uh, we all, not team players. Uh, no. <laughs> we also saw shifts in the dairy effort. So a shortage of cream, that then created half and half, which... Yeah. We fucking use that. I mean, right. I, I use half... I mean, if I can't get, you know, half, I'm going to get half and half. Yeah, um, I don't use half and half. What a bullshit product! <laughs> time, like born born out a ta- out of a time of necessity. Absolutely, and it's um, still around today. That's awesome. Just, I, just give me just you the, either or. Just give me the cream, really. Oh yeah, yeah. Again, cream. not a milk guy. <laughs> I don't. That's the biggest takeaway. I don't really. I don't guy. really do milk. So like, if I'm putting something in my coffee. It's going to be cream. Yeah, usually cream. I mean, I don't mind oat milk and stuff in my coffee, but... I understand that. Oh, man, cream is great. I understand that, <laughs> yeah. Coffee. That's it is fantastic, Tim. 
far better than <laughs> you know how health nuts make little increment changes mm-hmm. in their diet mm-hmm. and you get used to doing that stuff yeah. like you get you i'm not gonna say you get used to eating zoodles that's a sad life <laughs> but like but like you get used to cutting some stuff out right you do these small little incremental things to like make mm-hmm. your life a little better like maybe you do two percent milk or yeah. something like that in your coffee instead of cream because cream's fattier and it's not as good for you i'm telling you <laughs> right now just do this just do it just at some point in your life give it up just <laughs> do just commit just do just do some coffee with some cream and and sugar like sugar coffee now like white sugar or the raw sugar it doesn't matter sugar sugar not a substitute not a sub- just sugar yes. And I'm telling you, you're going to get why people like it. <laughs> like, you're going to immediately be like, oh. This is oh, it. Yeah. This yeah. is what I, th- this is what you kid yourself and think you're drinking. Absolutely. When you replace those things with Absolutely. a substitute and a substitute milk, whether that be an alternative mm-hmm. or be, you know, a uh, whole, even whole milk. Even, it doesn't, whole, milk, even yeah. whole milk doesn't stand the test. <laughs> Again, how often do I use cream coffee, in my cream, coffee? Sugar. Man, yeah. Not often. Yeah. I, just in general, I, <laughs> I don't, but I'm telling you, it's where it's at. <laughs> it's where, fuck your half and half. Just cream. Just get the cream. Cream or nothing, bro. Cream or nothing, Put all right? Put that on a t-shirt. Yeah, don't. That'll, that'll sell somewhere else, though. That'll sell some merch, That'll buddy. sell some merch somewhere cream else. Cream or nothing. Schmackdo. Schmackdo. Uh, speaking of coffee, though, coffee itself, it was in short supply as Americans bought it off the shelves and hordes. Ahead of the rationing that was about to hey, that's me. That, that was about to happen. So, <laughs> Americans. I'm kidding. I would never. Well, uh, so I really wouldn't. I hate that shit. Um, so they ripped the coffee off the shelf. So they ripped the coffee off. So then, uh, Americans started to make victory coffees, so which is coffee without the coffee, like yeah, yeah. Nescafe. You guys heard of it? Yeah. Yeah. So that's essentially what became popular. Um, it was pretty hard to get. So like mostly they would just send it to the troops. And then if you're able to get coffee here, that's you were more than likely getting a victory coffee. So it wasn't really like the true coffee. Um, another product, possum, a cereal that was product flavored by molasses and it was served by many restaurants instead of coffee. There was also a variety of soy derivative coffee like drinks. Um, and they served them like soyki, soyfi, and koifi sub. Fuck, that's a miserable existence. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I bet, I bet you could convince yourself. I'm telling you. I mean, think about like if I'm you, telling you, you do it all as someone who's been like a, a health fanatic dieter. You yeah. really do convince yourself. You, you get so it's, it's that shift perspective. Like you have to do the mindset. Yeah, yeah you really absolutely. do. You're like, this is close enough. This will, uh huh. <laughs> and it's like to be fair though, like when you are also then surrounded by people that are having to do the same thing. Yeah, it makes it. I mean, it makes just makes it easier. Yeah, you buy you buy yeah. into it, man. But I'm telling you, the first time they got that coffee back, oh, oh man. man, different ball game. I bet they lost their minds. Their shit. Yeah, you know no, I mean? absolutely. I bet they lost their fucking minds. Because it's like, again, like I, I have sugar in my coffee. I'm sure I have sugar, like through, like not as much anymore. But like, you can have sugar throughout the day. Like I've had a Coke tonight with my dinner. Like, yeah, right. They that was the longest thing that they rationed. Sugar. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, though, if you're drinking something like Coffee. <laughs> Fuck your sugar. I don't need sugar, buddy. Dude. I don't I, need sugar, buddy. No, thanks. And like this, <laughs> I just need actual coffee. Thanks. Again, like this is what's fucking crazy because it's like we've seen this food trend with soy before. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And then it's like between that and then plus meat shortages, 
that Americans started to introduce soy protein. This became so prevalent in American cuisine after World War II. Um, the French fry, it became super popular. It became a filler side item at sandwich and burger shops um, because potatoes were not rationed and were prevalent in America. So again, potatoes. Never rationed. King bro, Never can't ration the potato, Can't ration baby. the potato. Like you can't, you can't hold them. Yeah. They are him. So like World War II is Davis. when we started fucking loving French fries. Sugar rations affected the candy and confectionery industry long after the war. Oh, you don't say. Yeah, right. Um, It forced many commercial candy companies to produce outside of the United States where sugar was significantly cheaper. Uh, That kind of sounds familiar. Hmm. Yeah, um, it was a lot of a lot of getting a lot lot of getting Mexico sugar. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of that was going on back in the day. Yeah, Yeah. the American ideal of let's just get cheaper labor and ingredients somewhere else and we'll send it, bro. It was really again one of the biggest factors that led to closing of like regional and local mom pop candy shops yeah because you can't get the you thing to make the thing you compete. do yeah <laughs> you can't compete with that yeah um so again this is kind of where now our shift occurs with world war ii um world war ii brought its own unique challenges and ultimately cultural shifts that impacted the way we produce and consume our food in the united states and ultimately also the world we really see the shift in taste buds whenever soldiers again start to come home so we see it again we see it a little bit in World War One, but now with World War Two, this is really where the shifts occur. Um, the soldiers' introduction and exposure to foods from different countries helped shape new cuisine as bland and limited diversity of food from home just was not good. Just was not good anymore. And I wanted to pause on this for a second, and I wanted to let this marinate. Do you know how bad and bland and not good the food is for soldiers to be coming from war? Yeah. From war, who have literally just rations. Yeah. They're they're eating cigarettes for for food and they're like this shit ain't good. Yeah. Like this food back home is not good. <laughs> like I, I that just blows my mind. Like they're in some really uh, yeah. awful shitty conditions and I they mean, came home and they're like god no this is fuck this. Yeah. Fuck this. Fuck, dude. We just had an episode about recipes. Obviously, it was during wartime, but I mean, you've seen the fucking recipes from back then. <laughs> we yeah, we talked about weird war. man. Too much Jello being used. Way too much gelatin. <laughs> Why are we putting meats in Jello, man? Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Stop it. We're not doing this. We're not that's a, doing that's this. That's like r slash food crimes now if you put fruit in jello. R food crimes. <laughs> <laughs> that was their cuisine back then. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right, though. Yeah, they were just eating that shit. We read off some of the recipes from World War One, and it was like, ugh. Yeah. That's what we're, ugh. Okay. Oh, uh, okay. That's what we're doing. Um, but yeah, this right, this was the change in food culture in America. Americans were no longer seeing food as just like a way to get nutrients. People were looking at food as experience. Yeah. And that. That's yeah. an insane. I can't believe that. That's interesting. I can't believe we haven't really talked about that uh, until this episode. Because I don't know. I we grew up. To me, I think America is one of the greatest uh, countries in the world. God damn it! No, I think it's one of the. <laughs> no, yeah, absolutely. No, I yeah. think it's yeah, one yeah, of yeah. the greatest food countries in the fucking absolutely. world. I think we do it. Fuck everyone. I think we yeah. do it um, just as good. As the best in the world, if not, uh, if not, I I just personally believe truly that we probably are the best. But when it comes to food, nothing else. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) No, no, I'm I'm kidding. But no, when it comes to food specifically, though, I think we're fucking incredible at it. Got some sauce. We're incredible at it. And listen, like, yeah, sure, the number one restaurant in the world's like in fucking Italy or whatever. But you know what? What New York alone has like 
five of the top 10 restaurants in the world or something uh, like that. Yeah, I don't know. Okay. It's something ridiculous. They have like the most concentrated amount of like best restaurants in the world or some <laughs> shit like that. I just think, and even outside of that, because that's getting to like, you know, haughty cuisine. That's, uh, that's, yeah. We're not even talking about just like oh, normal yeah. ass food that people eat like normal people, you know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> yes, yeah not, a, thir- not 37 courses. Different, yeah. You know? And even that, I think it's just, yeah, it's just one. Of, I mean, we're just, we're the best, man. I don't know what to tell you. If, if oh, fucking go are... to any great American city right now and you're probably going to have some of the best food I agree that, that your fucking mouth will yeah. ever touch. That's true. You know? I like that. that. Was, listen, that was my, po- that's the one positive USA rant you get from Tim. <laughs> Yeah. No, I love I love our food, and I've never been ashamed to say that. We I have, think I think we just do it overall. Yeah, we we have fucking phenomenal food culture here. Yeah, I think yeah. we do it for, and that so that's interesting that like in that's, the yeah. forties and fifties we were we were sort of like creating that. And we coming, were coming around to it more to be like yeah we we should we should do something we about our shitty food. gelatin food. Yeah, we should <laughs> we, we want to enjoy food, which yeah. I mean like you you mentioned earlier, but like not only are Americans looking for experiences. We're now valuing conveniency. Oh yeah, that yeah. like that now, was a big, big thing. Like this is this is where we're at. So it's like experiences and conveniency, and I'm like, dude, that's our fucking culture now. That's McDonald's in a nutshell. <laughs> <laughs> they are culturally relevant, and then also, yeah, like fucking food, bro. Like, yeah, you want an experience and convenience? Go to Taco Bell. <laughs> what an experience that that'll fucking give you. <laughs> You're definitely gonna have a story when you when you leave. Yeah, you fucking will. That's what I'm saying. So it's like literally the 40s, 50s. Like we were, we were already again. We it's already shaping. We're yeah. now what 70? Gosh, I went through puberty there. Yeah, it's like 60, 70, 80 years removed from that, and we're still. I love your 60, 70, 80 thing. I know, dude. <laughs> I just throw it on there. You know, we're like nah. yeah, 80, 90, 100, Quick 200 nah. years from there. You know it's what fine. I mean? It's fine. Fucking a man. That's. <laughs> so let's talk about the industrialization of food. This is where we're at. Because this is where we're at now in our 40s, 50s, 60s. Uh, Holy fucking No, but actually, shit. we are like, we are, we're going to kind of hit like the mid 30s and go from up here. So, and I quote, our food supply no longer goes directly from agriculture producing centers to the consumer, but detours through processing. The sh- discoveries from uh, nutrition science have shifted attention from preservation to conservation. Yeah, that's a great quote uh, because like in a succinct way, it pretty much says like we process food now. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I know processed food gets some really bad, uh, really bad rap. Yeah, and we blame processed food for like I don't everything, know, everything, literally everything that's wrong. Uh, you know, obesity. Mm-hmm. And we blame it for everything, and I don't blame it for fucking anything. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, <laughs> no, I don't blame it for anything. And and maybe I'm, you know, maybe I'm a bit biased on that, but I just think processed foods in general. I think, yeah, man, sure. Let's eat healthy, right? Like that's yeah. eat unprocessed foods, but also like to act like processed foods didn't give food to just way more people exactly that's the kicker way way more people it's the Mm -hmm. same thing with gmos you know there's this big like gmos no gmos but it's like it's coming from this weird like unscientific standpoint Mm. where it's like you know what chemicals are they putting in our foods and it's like like the word chemicals as if like everything isn't fucking chemicals right and it's just like dude without gmos like the food you want to talk about shortages now Mm -hmm. you want to have these fucking pea brain people talking about how Mm -hmm. how much food costs and we can't get a hold of anything and nothing like dude it would be 20 times worse every fucking year every Every year just get worse too yeah every year it would be bad 
And it would be another thing you couldn't find, and another thing you couldn't find, and another thing you couldn't find. Like, buddy, why the fuck do you think you eat apples year-round, you fucking <laughs> moron? The fuck? You fucking think strawberries oh, grow in December? Yeah, dude. You think strawberries grow in December, you fucking yeah. idiot, you absolute numb mm-hmm. fucking skull? Jesus Christ, people frustrate me. I'm mad at this fake person in front of me right now. <laughs> I can see their face, you know what I mean? I'm mad at them right now. Fucking pissing me off. Fucking talking about <laughs> foods. Right? Fuck you. Fuck, you think you can just buy sweet potatoes? year round you think sweet potatoes aren't a fucking fall food you bitch the fact that you can go get sweet potatoes in fucking june uh-huh <laughs> should uh-huh. probably give you an indication that gmos and like all the new practices that uh were i guess relatively new within the last hundred years like it comes from this right like it comes from we figured out a way to like process Combine, these yeah. foods and like use these foods in different ways yep. fucking absolute peasants get the fuck out of here <laughs> <laughs> Appreciate your fucking food. Appreciate what's in front of you. Fuck. That's too hard for some people. Um, Why am I so angry tonight? I, don't I, don't know. Know. I, I haven't had I haven't had alcohol in like fucking a month. I am edged. <laughs> <laughs> I am edged like had. fucking Pornhub. Jesus Christ. That's an incredible. Okay, thank you for that. I really appreciate that. Uh, Tim, you know what's being you know what's colder than being cold? Ice cold. Hey, the ability to refrigerate things. I'm so sorry to Andre 3000 and Big Boy. Refrigeration is great for a lot of things, but it's also super great for butter. But fucking we butter. fucking love butter. So ration laws also change the perception of frozen foods. This is a big, big thing in our food culture now. Frozen food products had been around in some areas since 1930s, particularly in rural America, they hadn't caught on. Many grocers didn't even have the freezers to yeah. display the products in their in their groceries so they didn't even bother buying products from wholesalers rationing regulations required that grocers display a poster showing the value of and ration points of different foods on those posters frozen foods were predominantly displayed because the cans for canned foods were reserved for rations for soldiers so for the first time rural residents we're learning about frozen foods because their local grocers were inherently forced to yeah, to have the product right. on hand. So shock-resistant refrigerator units for trucks had been invented and used by the military before frozen products could be shipped around the country and around the world. Farmers were forced to change what they grew and how they grew their products to meet the new consumer demands. This, again, is going to be a shift. And I quote from Patrick Boyle, who was the former CEO of the American Meat Institute. He told PBS Frontline, After World War II... Two developments occurred. The local butcher shop began to expand into grocery stores and regional grocery chains. At the same time, we developed technology to ship refrigerated goods. And with the advent of grocery stores wanting to buy their meat from a single source and the ability to ship processed meat as opposed to live animals and rail cars, the packing houses moved out of the metropolitan areas and built new facilities in the heartland. Um, which, again, this is close to where the animals are being raised. So this essentially means that no longer were family farms handling the food, but rather larger farms that had the infrastructure to handle tens of thousands of animals. So, again, just another process that completely is starting to strip away, like these local mom-pop small farms right? and going to these larger industry companies. Yeah, even... Even more so, I would say it also introduced, I think, what we're kind of trying to reckon with now, which is the cruelty factor mm-hmm. of everything. And again, I know I just went on a rant about like appreciating like the food you have in front of you and like the processes behind that. Um, that like our system isn't perfect, right? Like it, <laughs> yeah. it isn't. I want to make that clear. I just think, you know, I think people miss the mark on what they're complaining about, right? Like, yeah, I think, fair. I think when we, when we piss and moan about, uh, GMOs and processed foods. It just has like an angle of being upset at the poor, 
people for yeah. because that's uh, that's yeah. because that's who fucking buys those foods. Yeah. That's who I like. I don't know. There is no other way to tell you this. No one is buying powdered milk in grocery stores except for people that can't afford fucking milk. Yeah. Family grew up. We we bought powdered milk at a point. I just think that when we want to talk about, if we want to talk about some of the problems we have in our food system and we look back at that moment right there where all of a sudden now we're just, you know, we're not only are we taking away mom and pop shots, which arguably probably did things a little bit more humanely, Absolutely. you know, to keep up with demand, to keep up with the new thing, we were like, well, let's do this. And I think now- you know, mm-hmm. we're 70 years fucking removed. Mm-hmm. I think maybe, you know, now let's look at, wh- okay, what can we do to rectify like this insane thing that we've done? Absolutely. Um, And I think that's the angle we should be talking about when we talk about some of the problems in our process. It's like you said, it takes away, it just takes away so much whenever you think about it and from like a cruelty standpoint, but then, and then also like a business standpoint, like you're local Betty and Jamie down the street like they they've lost like their livelihood now because yeah the factory down the road can produce what they make yeah in a what like in an hour what they make in a day like you know so it's like yeah. you can't can't yeah. compete with that you can't compete with that um high powered machinery sorry no yeah. yeah you can't compete with that and um there is literally no incentive for that big that big shop to do anything humanely to mm-hmm. do anything with respect there's no incentive for them. Mm-mm. This is the reason why we create institutions to like keep uh, things, in things in check, right? Is because if you were to walk away, hands up, and just leave it down to the market, it would be cruel. Because at the end of the day, the only thing the market wants is growth. Yep. And if you can and get profitability, yeah. Yep. If you can get growth and profitability from being the worst kind of piece of shit, it's okay. gonna re- it's gonna reward yep. you for it. And I think our system is very very prevalent with that even with some of the stuff we have definitely in place. leans that way yeah yeah even with some of the stuff in place to try and stop those things i mentioned it briefly i think in the chicken nugget episode mm-hmm. but it's one of those things where it's like why why would the market force anyone's hand yep. if they're making money off cruelty yep. why 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 would someone stop processing something a certain mm-hmm. way? Why mm-hmm. would you? Why would you? You're making money. Sure, I guess you can like hope that someone's humanity yeah. steps in, but you know, it's not I don't know. Case, do you live? Do you live in planet Earth? I mean, <laughs> come on, come on. Let's be honest. Let's be real here. Yeah, but we're stripping away mom and pop shops, man. Uh, still, still, still a thing. Still a thing. But yeah, that, it's good to know it started way back then. Yeah, it's not just. <laughs> yeah, it's not. Don't let them fool you. It's not just a product of now. It's, no, it's no, been, no. It's definitely that's how. Yeah. The whole thing, yeah, it was already started before you and I even walked this earth. Before yeah. many of us walked Fuck this earth. Yeah. yeah. So again, kind of going towards the shift. Uh, in 1949, Samuel Prescott, uh, MIT, had been studying the military commercial nexus for many decades when he proposed a quote unquote. More integrated relation between foods for defense and for food fully acceptable for commercial distribution and broad civilian consumption. So canned food, that's where this is. That's where this is going. Right. Um, canned food it was originally designed for soldiers and travelers, right? Mm-hmm. Um, immediately after World War II, surplus provisions were sold in supermarkets, and manufacturers, mostly ensure their own survival, began marketing canned and other packaged foods to who but the middle class. Tim, this would hopefully facilitate their busy lifestyles. Yeah. Yeah. Man, it just—it's crazy, dude. That's what I love about our show—is just <laughs> these moments right here, where you read something and. 
we tell each other something that's just like, oh, that's why. That's why. That's why we eat canned food. Do you want some more? That's why we eat foods. Yeah. From the U.S. Let's military. Yeah. Uh, from 1940s. So these are essentially all foods that were initially produced for the military. And then post-war, we came over and companies adapted and resold. Mrs. Paul's frozen fish sticks. <laughs> <laughs> Cheerios. Yeah, yeah. First sold as cheery oats. Yeah. The first ready-to-eat oat cereal and mm-hmm. Kellogg's Raisin Bran. Minute rice. Mm. Ready whip whipped ice cream. Oh, sorry, not ice cream. Whipped cream. First of all. Yeah. Those last two. Minute Fanta- rice, fantastic Ready creations. Rice? Minute Raisin rice bread? and you know what? Yeah, last, last, <laughs> last four Cheerios, Raisin yeah. Bran, Ready Whip, and uh, minute, minute rice. rice. Yeah, all incredible inventions. <laughs> Love every single one of them. Ten out of fucking ten. Ten out of ten. Nothing better than making rice in a fucking oh, man. in ninety seconds. You yeah. know what I mean? Nestle's quick powder drink mixes. Hell yeah! Right? Hell that yeah! Started. Fucking um, nest quick, baby. Let's go. Let's go. Uh, packaged cake mixes. Like we kind of spoke about that. Uh, Yo, early episodes. Yeah, cake. Also good, man. Fantastic. Also good. Right? Box cake still hits. Um, fucking good. Also, one of my personal favorites: M and M's, chocolate candies, peppermint patties, Junior Mints, almond joys, Whoppers, malted milk balls, and yeah. Jolly Ranchers. Yeah, all those bad boys became popularized post World War II. And Tim, deep dish pizza. Oh hell pizza yeah, Pizzeria Uno in Chicago. Got a special shout out. But yeah, that's kind of yeah. like when that all first stopped. Great American um, City. Great American City. Thank you for that. And by 1950, a number of companies that supplied the military with rations could count notable growth. National Biscuit, which is Nabisco, we know we now know as, yeah. um, they grew by 26.4%, which is kind of a lot. Um, Borden, which is 27.7%. General Foods by 21.6%. And Corn products, actually corn, uh, 23.6%. <laughs> Absurd. That's a lot of growth, man. It's a lot of growth, right? Um, and then, again, you mentioned earlier, frozen and dried food products also became popular post the war. Um, the National Research Corporation of Boston, uh, they turned a vacuum process, um, which was a process that had initially been developed to make penicillin and blood plasma during the war. Um, they essentially like manufactured that process to then produce powdered orange juice oh yeah so yeah a process that was used for penicillin and blood plasma was used to make powdered orange juice yeah um but the consumers weren't ready for that they weren't ready for that and you know what in 1960s that orange powdered yeah it's called tang hell yeah it's called tang and it took off when uh they started taking them on their space missions yeah yeah and they gave it a cool name like tang tang yeah Uh, that's fucking that's the best marketing name i've ever heard in my life tang Tang. What does it taste like? That. That. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that exactly what it sounds yeah, like. That. Yeah, tang. Um, also, initially in the 40s, the company adapted the process of producing frozen orange juice concentrate. Hey, you know what that is? That's Minute Maid. It's Minute Maid, Minute baby. Maid. And by 1950, a quarter of Florida's orange crop was going into concentrate. A quarter. Yeah. into concentrates people kind of fell off that though people we? felt yeah, yeah we, kinda, we don't really we don't really do that these kind of fell off we're kind of back to the bottled stuff mm-hmm. you know we like we like our we like our shit to come into the little half cartons yes you know we do like our little half that's, cartons that's now. what we like i you know what else i don't really see a lot of because i think it's the most useless invention ever known to mankind right. 
Uh, Sunny D. That's right. I slandered Sunny D. I think some elementary school child's going to come up. Listen, I just like your teeth and your shins. I don't really see Sunny D often these days. At least not as much as at least not not as much as when I was a child. I agree. And it was everywhere. But Sunny D seems like such a useless fucking invention because it's just like, (laughs) it's like. (laughs) <laughs> it's like like wait wait no like, i agree no, with you but I, like, what market is it hitting like, just hear me out i know everyone is I'll like give it to you. everyone's mad no. because they're nostalgia's kicking in no come on but got? like hear me out sunny d is supposed to be a vitamin c drink yes it's a vitamin c orange drink yes it's not orange juice it's not orange, orange juice. drink yes it's a vitamin c fortified orange drink that tastes similar but tangier than orange juice um uh so what are you doing with that drink? Because you could just drink orange juice, which I don't know many children that don't like orange juice. I loved orange juice, loved orange juice as a kid. I loved it as I a agree. kid. What is, what is, what's Sunny D doing that orange juice isn't already doing? Orange juice is tangy, it's sweet, and it's got tons of vitamin C. Actual vitamins. What is, what is Sunny D doing? What is it doing? Someone fucking explained Sunny D to me and why it was so popular. Someone fucking explain it. I think I need to try Sunny D again to maybe, maybe that'll like remind me why it was popular, but I don't remember loving it as a kid. I remember absolutely preferring orange juice. So I don't, I don't know. That's just my rant on Sunny D. This is taking us off. I've been taking us off track all night, baby. Dude, no, you bring up a really good point. Classic Tim. I don't know. (laughs) I don't really know why we, I I used to. I don't get it. I don't get it. Well, we need to. I don't get it. That's my argument. That's my argument about Sunny D. I think it's useless. That's fair. And I think I have a pretty good leg to stand on about You it. have. No, yeah. I, I got nothing to rebuttal you on, on that one. Yeah. I'll get back to you. <laughs> I'm going to have to think about a few things. So, yeah, we're, again, now we've, like, we've shifted again. We're talking about, quote, unquote, instant food now. It's been democratized through mass production. So, some say the U.S. military influenced the diets of Americans as these food manufacturing companies took the process and products used for soldiers and mass produced these items. And it's interesting because at the beginning of the war, just again, World War II, military and civilian food systems were different. But by the end of the 1950s, it all had just emerged into one effective system. Yeah. Or two systems that were effectively working together as one. Right, right. We get into the 1950s um, and TV dinners now oh, are taking over. Hell yeah. Which is just, again, a combination of everything we've talked about, right? Refrigeration practices, preservation practices, and then transportation practices. All of those things. And it's like, makes sense. We've now, we've covered our convenience factor. Yeah. Right? The TV dinner brownie, buddy. That's an experience, right? It's an experience. That's an experience. It's kind of crazy that like mug brownies took the world by storm recently when it's like, we've been doing that for (laughs) years, baby. We've been doing that. We've been doing that. You better give... Uh, is it ban- is it banquet that does? It? You better banquet, give think, you better yeah. give banquet their fucking time in the spotlight. You're just taking you're just taking their brownies, <coughs> and you're putting them in mugs. Don't you fucking lie to me, Betty don't Crocker? Don't you fucking lie to me, you bitch? Don't you don't you dare? We fucking know it. Don't you dare? But yeah, Tim, that's 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 effectively World War Two, and yeah. how the U.S. government essentially has helped shape the diets of Americans since the 20th and 21st century. Yeah. Um. Um. I gave World War One a three out of six, and I'm just I'm I'm jumping into it. Yeah. I'm jumping into Please it. Six in. out of six. World War Two is the fucking shit. A lot of fucking. That's like. It shaped everything. You know, it's a lot of the stuff that I've that we've been circling around, right? Yeah. Like I've read a lot about that type, like the, the outskirts of it, with just one food, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, because that's kind of the yeah. thesis of our show, right? We take a food and we kind of dissect it. But it's so fun to sort of like finally just hit World War Two, which we've 
just brushed on so many times because we knew, like we knew it was just this, it's this pivotal moment where all these processes like become a thing Mm -hmm. and they sort of kick everything into high gear and fucking A, it's amazing to think that like so much of the food we eat today comes from that period. And even if it's not around anymore, there's a version of it. Yep. Or a process that came from it that we now, yeah, yeah. and it's, and it's fucking incredible. It's a marvel. It is a marvel. Yeah. Uh, It's, Yeah. Fucking wonderful. Six out of six. Fuck, dude. Yeah. World War II. Fantastic. World War II. Uh, thank you for all that information, That's man. a lot of info. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, do you have any final thoughts? Are you going to, you going to like a uh, Mr. Rogers out or anything like that? No, unfortunately not. I mean, we've, we've pretty much, you, we've, we've hit on all of, all of the themes somehow. One of the biggest observations that I took was just industrialization, the refrigeration, appliances, packaging, shipping. Um, It's the reason we have frozen food that's, sections. Bang. Yeah. That's the reason why we have like, how our again like n- our food processes has not really changed since that initial process change yeah. post world war 2 right and like that's pretty well to think about because of all the technological advancements that we've had as a society well i think well, i think you see it though i think you see it maybe i'm the only one that keeps up with news about food but i think <laughs> no i think you see it in Absolutely. today's climate though i think you see that clash like you said we haven't changed but i think you see a clash you're there. starting to see it a little bit i think you see i think you see people asking for different things like we should do things differently and we we mm-hmm. should be concerned um i've been ranty tonight but i'm only ranty because it's <laughs> great information and it's an episode that i feel like i can really talk about and connect with and okay. yes um we'll see how much of that makes it in <laughs> send it full send all of it um but yeah no you you already nailed nailed the head on another just observation that i made just about processed foods and how mm. that shift was because it's like at the end of the day like we use processed foods to help our soldiers like that was the main that was the main reason because we were able to preserve those foods and send it and they were able to have energy. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's like that didn't change no. per se. Right. So no. it's like, why, how, why did our perception about that change? How did our perception about that change? Yeah. Um, like what? That's a whole other, yeah. that's a whole other podcast. That's the end of the episode. That's I give it. it a six out of six. Uh, that's World War Two, ladies and gentlemen. That's the World Wars. Wow. Yeah, guys. Uh, this was uh, Where Does Food? We're a podcast, and we do history podcast stuff. And you can find us uh, wherever you listen to your podcast, man. We're out there. Out there. Spotify, Apple, Google, uh, 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 Pocket Cast. I don't know. Uh, Podcastplayer.com. You can find us there. <laughs> Yeah, you can find us at anchor.fm forward slash where dash does dash food. Um, that's like home base. But again, we're everywhere that you go. So give us a follow. Give us a like. Give oh, us a thumbs too. up. Yeah, we have a website. Yeah. Where does food dot com. Yeah, you can check that out. We have all the, uh, the episodes there as well. And... You can also check us out on Twitter. Um, uh, we're at Where Does Food. That's the uh, the actual podcast page. Uh, I'm at Tim Wehunt. I'm at El Chapo with three underscores in between the L and the Chapo. Yeah. Um, and the music that's been playing this entire time and Sounds our intro. Good. Yeah, it's made by our buddy Austin Martin. You can find him on Apple and Spotify under Meridian Sky. Go give him a listen. Please. Guys, he just makes nice jams he yes. does it all himself yes. uh, he's fantastic and you just jam out man you just listen Have a good time you know what i mean you know he's good not he's, he's not like shoving lyrics at you or anything it's just music 
and it's wonderful. Yes. So it's you know it's it's, it's rock music. So if you like rock, cool, go listen to it. What else? That's it. No I think way. You, you think you've hit no you hit the way. socials? We shout out our boy Austin. Crushing Leave us a always. review. That's Leave what us a I review. Leave us a review. I did say give give us a like, yeah. so that was similar. Yeah. But no, leave us a review. It helps, guys. It helps on Apple. It helps on Spotify um, and probably on other catchers. So, yeah, go leave us a review. Um, talk about how smooth Elle's voice is. Wow, thank you. Talk about how annoying Tim is. Nah. You know, I'm clearly the worst part of the party. Nah. <laughs> yeah, guys, go, uh, go check us out. Do all the things. Peace. Peace.